0: Hello and welcome to From Mankind, the podcast. Today's guest is a journalist, broadcaster, MC, a mum to handsome boys, Ferdia and Oscar. It's Deirdre O'Shaughnessy. Welcome, Deirdre. Thanks for joining me. Hello there. I'm delighted to be here. So, Deirdre, you're now a mum to two boys, yep. Ferdia and Oscar. How old are they? They are two and a half and six months today. Two and a half and six months. Why wow, yep. is there busy?
1: Yeah, very busy. Uh, I just about got out of the house to come and meet you. Oscar spilled milk all over me from the hacker pump, which you are probably familiar with. Yeah. He kicked it. So I was like He no. used to be so well behaved. And um I just about managed to get a shower and I did my makeup in the car <laughs> which is probably illegal, so I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, it's all fine.
0: <laughs> so your mom for over two years. Mm. What type of mum did you think you'd be? And is it different to how you are? Um God, I don't know. I
1: thought it'd be a really lazy moment. I think I probably am. Like do you know the way some people are so like oh, like really involved in everything their child does and they're down on the floor playing with them and they're like, you know, every time they fall down, they're like, oh, are you okay? I'm very much not like that. (laughs) I'm like, what are you doing over there? Oh yeah, you seem fine to me, carry on. Um, I suppose I thought I'd be quite relaxed and I mostly am very relaxed. Like sometimes I'm too relaxed. um, But that's kind of my approach to life in general. I'm sort of a careless person, really. Um, I would get stressed about things but i think a lot of the like a lot of the more stressful stuff is yet to come you know things like you know making friends and you know interpersonal relationships that they're going to have those are the things i think that are going to keep me awake at night um i'm not the type to like freak out over you know a little rash or something um so at the moment
0: they're just exhausting rather than stressful if you know what I mean Yeah So Ferdi is two and a half in my eyes he's in that phase of the terrible twos he is I think coming out
1: of it Um they're, what does Joanna Fortune call them the the terrible but developmentally appropriate tools, uh, and she's so right because it, you can really see like as they go through all these phases you really see them making leaps in their understanding of things as these things are happening so like they get really annoyed when they can't communicate say just before they learn to speak is a really tough time because they're like mm-hmm, trying to tell you things and they can't um, but then once the words start coming it settles down again like God forbid you try and get between a toddler and the the thing that they want, like they will annihilate you. So he, but he's also really good fun. So he'd be like this morning he was running around the house naked like and I was trying to catch him put his clothes on and he was just having the time of his life that and I was like you know, Living you, his you, best life Totally living his best life I was like Who wouldn't do that If they had the opportunity That looks like great fun um, Except for he'd be cold But he doesn't feel the cold So They're You know They're really good fun And actually since Oscar came along Like they're just He just adores him Like And I was expecting A lot of jealousy Yeah um, I'm an only child So I was like oh god like what is this going to involve but actually it's lovely it is it is actually the best bit of motherhood so far for me has actually been seeing them interacting with each other it is just the sweetest thing you ever saw um, like if you put Oscar down the floor in a blanket depending on Fergie's mood like sometimes he just ignores him like he's a bit of furniture you know that's fine but like Oscar's eyes will be following Fergie around like smiling at him waiting for him to smile back um, I think part of the eyes following him around is like self-preservation as well he's like <laughs> I'm going to be in the head with something any minute now Um, but not Deliberately ever, so that's something you know. He's been really good with him, and um, you know, if Oscar's crying, he'd be like, Oscar's crying, like, he'll go over and he'll rub his head and be like, Oh, baby, stop crying, stop crying. And then, like, Oscar's obviously going to continue crying. If he's like, Stop crying, Oscar, like, that's an order, (laughs) you know, like, he's meant to stop crying. I told him to stop crying, why hasn't he stopped crying? So, um, it's really sweet. So, like, at this age, actually, I think. It's my favourite age so far. Like it can be very testing, but you get so much back from them. You know, um, I didn't really enjoy the baby stage with Ferdi. Now we've realised that he was just a really difficult baby as it turns out. Oscar's a totally different kettle of fish. He had reflux and he he was just angry a lot of the time because he was in pain and he didn't sleep very well. Um, So the baby stage was really tough. But this point now where you can have full conversations with them. I mean, they generally tend to focus on Paw Patrol uh, or pasta, two of his favourite things.
0: In your first pregnancy, you attended a gentle birth course. And in your second pregnancy, you used the app. Yeah. Did you, did that transpire into a gentle birth?
1: The, oh, well, I suppose my births are really fast. They're really fast. And I suppose for the second one, I knew it was going to be really fast because they get faster as you go. So um, the first time we were living in the city, and because of the gentle birth course, I was actually really zen about it. I had been very, very stressed out about birth. Like nobody likes being in pain, and all the horror stories you hear, and you know people are like, and then
0: they took out the scissors, and so like, oh god! And, and you everyone know, shares the horror stories. No one really ever do. tells you about that lovely birth that they have, See, and they don't because the horror story
1: people will kill them. Um, and <laughs> it's like telling people your baby sleeps eight hours a night. Nobody wants to hear that. Like shut up. No one wants. No one cares. Um. So I think you don't like my first birth was brilliant, but you don't really tell people about that unless you're reassuring them they haven't given birth yet yes. that they're the only people I tell that story to <laughs> because if you went through like 12 hours of labour and then had to have an induction and then had to have a section and blah 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 blah, you do not want to hear how I had my son in three hours you know like you don't so sorry to the people who are listening who are in that position um, so I did the course and it was brilliant because what I found about it was it the best thing about it really was that it taught you how to navigate actually the hospital Um, and I was with Domino Midwives so I was really lucky they're very woman centred and it is very focused on um, doing things like the natural way and it is kind of a gentle birth it's similar you know it's very similar but once you go to the hospital to present in labour you're not in that system immediately, so you're brought in the same way as everybody else, um, and the control is completely taken off you. Um, the same way it is if you're an eighty or whatever, but it's not the same because it's such a life-transforming experience, in you know in my view anyway. And there is a sense that you're you're in the hospital, and like I remember being in the waiting room and being like. That's like, I'm
0: in labor. i mean, the why I'm in the waiting room. Like, i mean, this baby's going to come in the waiting room. Come on, like, there's been an and emergency was that in CUMH. Yeah. Yeah, and there is a waiting room there, and you are sitting there, and it's a bit weird, isn't it's it? It's weird. A bit weird like waiting for a plane, but you're going to have a baby. Yeah, and like the baby was coming, you know, and like I remember
1: being there, and it's only since I've been back as say, I was in CUMH a couple of times throughout my second pregnancy, I had to go in um, to A&E just the different things. It was a kidney infection, actually, of all things, but I thought I was in labor. It was so painful. And, um, I was in the waiting room and everyone else was in there because they were having a bleed or something like that. And So what I didn't realise the first time when I was in labour was like I was the only one in the waiting room in labour. Everyone else was just there for something else. Um, so I was like walking around panting and you know the whole lot. I had woken at 3am felt something kind of went oh there's a bit of a pain there it was like period pain I was like okay that this must be something couldn't feel what I, anything I could identify as a contraction just kind of pains. and I was like right okay so we know how this goes Brian I was like, Brian was like what do we do I was like sure you know we did the course she was like go to the cinema you know go for a walk it's like it's 3am so we can't go anywhere you know and relax yeah. sure we'll sit up and have a cup of tea read our books for a little while and see how we feel and I'll go back to sleep if I can grand so fast forward an hour and I'm in the toilet having terrible diarrhea which no one tells you about either puking which no one tells you about and like the again I couldn't have told you they were contractions but I was getting these pains, I was like, Brian, I'm a bit overwhelmed like this uh, I don't know what's going on here. Brian was like, Can you time them? He was outside the door trying to time them on the phone to the hospital. And I was like, Um, there's one and then you know, there's one and he was like, What? <laughs> I was like, Yeah, they're they're kind of a bit fast. And he was like, Okay and he was trying to tell them in the hospital, but of course they hear first time mother and they're like, Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was like, No, like I couldn't pull up my trousers at this stage and I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna get dressed and get into the car and actually go to the hospital. So eventually I managed to get like Tracksuit, maternity tracksuit pants on The loosest thing ever And I was inside the car going I'm actually going to have this baby in the car And at the time we only lived 15 minutes from the hospital We were in the city It was grand The baby was nearly born In the Wilton roundabout Basically Browns like He's lucky he wasn't called Wilton And we got into the hospital And then you're in this waiting room And I was like um, like, why? Why are we waiting? And Brian's like, lads, I'm. She's kind of, you know, the baby's really coming. And there we like, go. Ah, yeah, you know, take a seat there. And he was like, no, like, you really need to get on with this. So because I had done the gentle birth course, um, and Brian had done it, we were both quite assertive on the first birth. So he was like, no, look, she needs to be seen now. Like, this is this is happening, kind of a thing. We got into the there's a little triage room in there with this. It's ridiculous. The tiny little room and a tiny little trolley and like this big whale of a pregnant woman, and it just doesn't make sense and the nurse who was not a domino nurse tried to put a trace on me but in the gentle birth course you learn about the trace and if you get the trace you're more likely to have interventions and I was like what's that and she was like that's the trace you know whatever I was like no you're not putting that on me you can listen to it and I think she because I had really internalised all these messages about the interventions and she was like okay crazy lady and she listened and she's like okay it seems to be fine anyway and um, that was grand and Then she was like hop up there to examine you and this was again covered in the general birth course. They were like when they say that they're not telling you this is something you can or cannot consent to. And I said like she was going to do an internal exam and I said why do you need to do that? And she said I need to see how dilated you are. And I said okay but you don't need to do an internal for that. So she was like okay. So I was obviously still with it enough to communicate and Brian was there. He was with me. So she had a look and she was like okay and I was like four or five centimetres or something so into the wheelchair and literally ran me down to the birthing room because like it was all going to happen pretty fast so um, Fergie was born at so we the first contraction was at three o'clock we got to the hospital I think between half four and five and Fergie was born at half six that was fast it was extremely fast so I wouldn't call it a gentle birth because it was overwhelming But um, it wasn't particularly painful. Bad period pains I've also had bad periods anyway So I was like It's actually not
0: that much worse You were in training for a couple of years <laughs> So it was a dream, Yeah
1: So but it wasn't particularly painful But it was really overwhelming So yeah. like between the vomiting And the diarrhoea And the contractions Like literally I was like Oh my god my body Is not my own at all And I, that was the the, the the biggest feeling I got from it They did have to tell me to be quiet In the hospital In the domino I was like Here's the domino nurses You're meant to be the sound ones um, But apparently I was like Upsetting other patients Because <laughs> I was bellowing <laughs> Not like screaming, like grunting. Do you remember the uh, tennis player Rancho Sanchez Vicario? Yeah. She's like my spirit animal. Like I think I was like the, the labour of her, basically. So that was the first birth. And I would say the gentle birth principles really helped me. Like I did the breathing. I had gas and air. I didn't have any other painkillers. They wouldn't have had time anyway. The second one was not uh, quite the same in that we were living much further from the hospital. We live in Cove now. Now it's still only if you're going really fast it's the middle of the night it's still only half an hour um but obviously there's no guarantee it was going to be the middle of the night we were just lucky that it was yeah. so i was having freakouts that it was going to be during the middle of the day when i because i was off sick for quite a bit of my pregnancy with pelvic girdle pain i was like i'm going to be at home on my own and I'm going to go into labour and I'm not going to have time to get to a hospital. And I was plagued with that. I had insomnia from it because I knew that my labour was likely to be faster yeah. the next time. And also Ferdy had been early and I just felt I was going to be early again, which I was. I was two weeks early. So I was really, really stressed about that. And all the gentle birth in the world doesn't prepare you for that because you, you know, if it had been Ferdy's birth, I could have delivered him by myself. You know, it wouldn't have been ideal, obviously. But that would have been fine because he just literally popped out like there was no complications. I kind of, and I don't, I'm not superstitious, but I felt all along there was going to be a complication this time. I just had this. Your instinct. Yeah, I just had this instinct that it was not going to be that straightforward. Um, I did feel it would still be a natural birth. I didn't think I'd need a section or anything, but I just knew I did not want to be on my own at home this time. I just knew overwhelmingly and so in the end I was about 36 weeks when I had that kidney infection I thought I was going into labour and after that I just rang my mum and I was like can you come down and stay with us and my mum was like "Like for four weeks and I was like can you just come and stay and see how it goes. So she did like, and she's brilliant and I will forever be really grateful for that because I just needed somebody there because I was so freaked out about it um, and as it turned out it was 36 weeks again and um, we were watching the Rotunda and I had we had been to the cinema the night before and I had thought I felt something the night before it was the first time we had been at the cinema together in two years actually since Ferdinand was born we had been the night I went into labour with Ferdie I'd actually been to the cinema as well uh, but with somebody Stop else going to the cinema so yeah no more <laughs> cinema so um, we, we had been to see Crazy Rotations, I'd recommend it it's very funny uh, the night before and I was like we are in Mahan Point and I was like sure we're only 10 minutes from the hospital I was like that's a good place to go if we have to be somewhere and we came out of the cinema and I went to the toilet and Brian was looking at me and I was he was like do you want to go to the hospital and I was like I don't know so we went home and the next day I just all day I was kind of just lying on the couch I was like yeah there's something happening my cousin is from or my, my husband is from an agricultural background so he would say the pins had dropped um, and I was just flattened lying on the couch and very emotional and anyone who's been through birth a couple of times knows that that day you're very emotional um, so I kind of knew like when Freddie was born the day he was born I watched Titanic and bawled oh my whole way through it when Oscar was born what did I read? The Ashling book the second Ashling book I spent the day reading that on the couch flattened and I was like yeah there's something going on so we were watching the rotunda I was sitting on my ball doing my yeah. circles I was like you know I think there's contractions there's my parents Freddie was gone to bed I was just sitting there going yeah so Brian jumped to bed at about 11 when it was over and I went up after him and I was like you know I think we need to go to the hospital and he's like oh is it happening now and I was like I think it is It's like I can't be sure because again no waters had broken on Friday the waters had broken with great drama when I was in the bathroom so I knew this time no waters broke and I was like I just yeah I think I think this is it I think we need to go so it was actually brilliant my parents were there just it's so different when you have one already you can't just I can only imagine
0: like it's not like you can just pack up your bag and and walk out the door that was the other thing I was so stressed
1: about it I had like five different friends along the route between our house and the hospital where I was going to drop him in the middle of the night if we had to but I knew I wouldn't have time for things to be you know anything yeah I just knew it was going to be such a rush so they were there and we were able to just leave and it was perfect so we just went got to the hospital same thing in the waiting room I was like lads can't have me in the waiting room this is going to happen really fast um, this time the nurse who brought me in for triage was not as receptive as the first one and she wouldn't let Brian come in with me and I was in a lot more pain this time and I was not as able to stand up for myself as I had been the first time and I was like no can he come in and she said oh we'll bring him in in a minute there's just not room in this room and it was a very small room there's a lot of equipment in it but I was like yeah I really I really want him in and I asked a couple of times and she was kind of putting it off and putting it off and putting it off she put the trace on me and I kind of didn't really want it but I just felt there was something else happening this time. It wasn't the same and um, she was putting the trace on me and she, the the heartbeat wasn't um, as regular as it should have been and she, she was kind of a bit stressed looking. There was people coming and going. I was like, can you please bring in my husband she's like oh we'll bring him in in a minute and she kept saying that they tried to take blood they left me like a pincushion. cushion then the pain of that I was like oh god now I'm really really upset I was crying I was like can you please bring in my husband they finally brought him in and so they took blood and I said why are you taking blood and she said oh just in case we need need that for later I was like that's not a reason but of course I wasn't with it enough to know I was thinking all these things but I couldn't communicate it whereas if Brian had been there he'd have been able to ask the questions which is why she obviously wasn't letting him in and so I by the time he got into the room I was just Completely out of it. I was crying and I was in a lot of pain, and she just said to him, "Look, the heartbeat isn't. It's the trace is showing the heartbeat is a bit uh, irregular." So he said, "Okay, but we're on the domino." So we were brought down to the domino nurse eventually, and from there again, I was kind of like, "Okay, I'm, I'm going to be okay now," because I really trust them and I I really like their way of doing things. She was a wonderful midwife, absolutely brilliant, very reassuring. Um, I was so out of it that what I didn't realise until afterwards was the radio was playing in the background and it was dance music <laughs> and oh, I have this nightmarish thing of the dance music being high off the gas and air being in all this pain and just it being like like a bad trip basically oh which I've never had but I imagine it was something like this so this time was very different the first time had been much more I was much more with it this time I was totally out of it by this stage um, the same timeline but the waters hadn't broken at all and they didn't break. So they had to bring somebody in to break them. And by that stage I was in a lot of pain. Which I hadn't experienced the first time at all. And I just knew there was something up. I knew there was something wrong. And the midwife. She'd been looking at the monitor. And looking at the monitor. And looking at the monitor. And she said the baby's bungee jumping on the cord. There's something going on with the cord. And I think it's around the baby's neck. Now I didn't even hear this. I was so out of it. Um, but they brought in a doctor who broke my waters not a pleasant experience um, at all and like the worst smear test of your life and they the minute the waters broke I just pushed and more or less out he came like it was just the pressure was just ferocious but when he came out the, the cord was around his neck I didn't see him. I didn't see the cord around his neck. I have no visual memory of what that looked like. Uh, Brian does. He did see him and she just, the midwife was just magic. She just literally sorted it in seconds. Done. Baby cried. Fine. Done. But it was terrifying. Um, And it's one of those things that I know I probably will need to get some counselling for at some point because at the time, you know, it was resolved so quickly that you know everything was fine you're fine you have your baby done but it's it's the kind of thing that haunts you a little bit um, so you know sometimes he'd be like he wakes in the middle of the night or he doesn't wake in the middle of the night you're like is he still breathing there is a little sense of you know you've we very nearly lost him and it was very very close um, so that is a thing that will always just be there you know and I do really it, it kind of opened up a whole a kind of a whole darkness that I didn't have the first time so that I I guess I can understand a little better what people go through when they have kind of um you know, when they're close to a pregnancy loss or something like that. Luckily I've never experienced that, thank God. But um it it opens up this void, you know, that you kind of get a glimpse of it. Um yeah. and it's a very scary thing. Very scary thing.
0: And the fact that you said that, you know, in time you need counselling for it. I think that's such a, it's an honest approach to it Mm. because it's so traumatic. Mm. And giving birth is traumatic. And in a way, I suppose I've kind of been talking to other mums. We don't acknowledge really what we go through. Yeah. Um, You know, people go in for surgery or various operations and they probably get more relaxing time more fuss made about them mm-hmm. than the woman that has the absolutely. baby absolutely
1: yeah absolutely and like that's a, a real cultural thing in the west I think like my friend um, she has two kids and she had one her husband is Indian so she had one in Ireland and one in India and when she had the child in India It was so different. She said like her husband's family, all the women in her husband's family basically moved in and they took care of her for a month. Now they took care of the baby but they brought the baby to her to be fed. She fed the baby. You know, she was involved with the baby obviously but they were literally like you do not get up out of bed. Like you stay in bed, we cook, we clean. You don't do any of that. That's not what you're doing right now. You are being minded and you're going to be looked after. And contrast that to what happens here, you know, like I did the domino scheme, so that that means that you go home the same day. I mean, which I wanted, um, but going home the same day to your toddler is very different to going home the same day to be minded by your husband, who just has to mind you, um, and the baby, obviously. So, like, I suppose Oscar's a really easy baby, and that was the difference. I was anticipating this, like, screaming, impossible to settle, refluxy nightmare basically which was what Ferdi was like when I think of Ferdi's early days I literally just picture us pacing the floor and fighting with each other because he was just such an unhappy baby because he had the stereo intolerance that we didn't know about and the whole first month of his life I just remember heaps of washing and walking the floor and we moved out of our house at that stage and went to live with my parents for a while and the same for the whole first six months washing, puking, walking the floor no sleep. Trying to settle. Trying to settle. Him. Yeah. Oscar was just asleep in my arms. He may as well have not been there. He's, he's like just the as we call uh, it the the baby from the book. Yeah, he's like the unicorn baby. Like he really is. <laughs> now he doesn't sleep the night. They, like I think anyone who says a baby sleeps the night obviously sleeps very heavily themselves and they just don't hear them crying. <laughs> um. And but he he actually has slept the night three times, four times, like. I was like what the hell is this I think there's something wrong with him like he slept for a six or seven hour stretch a few times um, in the first couple of months now he's back to waking two or three times but I'm like I can actually cope with that fine because I was expecting it to be so much worse yeah you know so you kind of maybe your your expectations adjust on the second one as well that's a lot of it
0: probably yeah If especially if you have maybe an unsettled first one. Yeah. You definitely. Like I know people who've had it the other way around. Uh, that's me. And that's,
1: that must be awful.
0: Yeah. Um, Alice is a very good baby and I'm yeah. very aware that she's a very good baby. Yeah. Um, Well, so. you wouldn't be
1: here doing the podcast if she wasn't. Exactly. She'd be like at home crying. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you breastfed both babies. Yeah. And how was that for you? How was that journey? Uh, different for both of them. Again, partly because I knew what I was doing the second time. I think that is a
1: lot to do with it. Firstly, I had a tongue tie. As so Alice. yeah and that's a mess and yeah. the whole system or lack of system around it is a mess um, it's a really common thing it's appalling that it isn't dealt with and I just I get so angry and I've written about this a lot on my uh, people can find that on my website it's dshocks.com but it's um it, it really galls me how people are pressurized into breastfeeding, which I do I do think happens and like I was all for it and I am all for it and I think it's I do think it's the better option um if you can do it. But people are told, breastfeed, 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 breastfeed and then given absolutely no support. Like, it's like saying to someone, you know, oh, everyone can drive a car but you don't need any lessons. Off you go. Like, for God's sake, why can't you drive? You know, it's it's so insulting and it's so upsetting and I think for a lot of women it's incredibly demoralising then when they have a problem and they're, they've been told that, you know, oh, you're the problem.
0: I thought from the get-go, from the hospital, yeah, you're kind of unsupported because, yeah. you know, anyone that breastfeeds knows the more oats you eat, the more in you know, a tea. There's certain yeah. dietary yeah. foods that help you. Yeah, but yet you're in hospital and you're getting Weetabix. Yeah. It would just be as easy to give you some porridge. Yeah, you're getting tea. It would be just as easy to give you nursing tea. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes asking for more water when you are breastfeeding, yeah. it's a hassle. Yeah, they're ran off their feet. It's a no fault of the nurses. Yeah. The support just isn't there how is there no check done on a tongue tie? Especially when that people that breastfeed we're in the minority at the moment. Yeah, It wouldn't take that much time to look inside the child's mouth. Yeah. Especially when you are in hospital and say, are you breastfeeding? And you say, yes, I just can't understand how someone can't look into the child's mouth. So we brought Alice home thinking, Alice had a great latch. So yeah. I thought, this is amazing. Like, this will be so easy. Yeah. And then as the days went on and she started to lose weight, I was yeah. kind of going, well, I don't understand what the problem is. Now, we were fortunate. I had a private lactation consultant come yep. out to the house. We had to travel up to Clonmel from County Kerry. And we went to an amazing um, consultant, Dr. Justin Roach, who saved for me my breastfeeding journey. And we ended up coming home after Alice getting her tongue tie release. And we got home at midnight, which is not like no, a journey you want idea. to be doing. No. Like with a, a baby who's two weeks old. Yep. Um it's, it re- it's like that it really really upsets me because I feel like you're almost put out there to fail. Yeah. Oh completely. They're setting up people to fail and like we we had a very similar experience with Faraday
1: so like I won't go into details but the first few days we had to feed him with a syringe. Oh yeah I've been there. Yeah and like like that it was my friend Ivana who said to me you need this lactation consultant or lead organism she's in Cork and she said get her to come to the house today if you wait another day you're going to end up giving him a bottle and That's fine if that's what you want to do, but I know you don't want to do it. And like I just remember sitting there crying and being engorged, and like the I remember the pain of the milk coming in was worse than labour. It was actually the worst pain that I had, and it was because he wasn't drawing it. Yeah. Um. So I was totally engorged. I was dreadful pain I was like why isn't this working why is the baby so unhappy and he like that he was just I think he was 10 days when we got the tongue tie released and there was an immediate improvement now I think he still has a little bit of a tongue tie but it was sufficient to feed and once he got feeding a big improvement but what we didn't realise then was that he had reflux babies puke they all puke a little bit but knowing the difference and you don't know the difference when you're first time parents. no you don't so you know, they're like, oh, is he obviously in pain? And I was like, I don't know, he cries a lot. And they're like, oh, baby's crying. Yeah. So sure, I didn't know if he was in pain. I just knew he was crying all the time. But I expected the baby to be crying all the time. So I just genuinely didn't know. And I remember because we were living with my parents after a month, my mother was like, you know, that's not normal. All that puking. And I was like, the doctor said it was fine. And three different GPs said it was fine because they weren't living with him. They didn't see that it was like this all night and all day. They didn't see that. You know, they were like, oh, that's a laundry problem. It's not a health problem. And, you know, I was like, fair enough. You know, like I said, I'm inclined to be a very relaxed parent. And I was like, look, laundry, whatever. That's no big deal. That's fine. But what I didn't realise was that actually he was in a lot of pain and all that crying was pain. Not being cross and not being cranky. Babies are only cranky for a reason. They're not cranky because, you know, they didn't get to watch Paw Patrol. Like, they're they're like that when they're two and a half. They're not cranky for no reason when they're small. They're cranky because there's something physically wrong with them. That's something I really wish I had fought harder on. I think it was at his, it must have been at his six month check that um, it was actually down in Cove because we were in the process of moving down. I had registered him there we had to drive down to Cove Forest from Limerick which was very stressful because he was more or less screaming the whole way he always screamed in the car seat uh, when he was small and I got to the health centre and I was in an absolute state and the nurse took one look at me and one look at him and she was like is he like that all the time and I said yeah I said he's like that a lot of the time in the car seat especially and she said that's not normal that, that must be a reflux he's in pain you need to get that scene up in fairness to the public health nurse she was the only one out of all of the medical professionals who'd seen him and um She said, you've a real issue there, like you need to deal with it. So we got him on um, one of the anti-reflux medications, which again was, I wasn't totally happy about because when you read up on them, there are, you know, side effects to have them on long term. There was something of an improvement, but it was still not really improved. And it was only when he was a year old and we gave him cow's milk. For the first time, that we realised it was dairy.
0: See the cow's milk. It was a cow's intolerance. Cow. Yeah. yeah,
1: and nobody had tested for it. They had given like we had gone to the doctor and said, look, he has reflux. He needs medication for reflux. She hadn't said, will we try seeing what it is? Will you cut this out? Will you cut that out? Because the breastfeeding knowledge just isn't there. And like a really good GP, i uh, she's generally very good, but I think the in depth, you know, going back to the source of it was just not there. In fairness, the only person who ever had suggested cutting out dairy had been craniosacral therapist we had gone to the lactation consultant to recommend it but I'm very science based and that is not very science based and I was like yeah do you know what now they just tell everyone go off everything because he had said to me you know gluten caffeine dairy whatever and I was like sometimes you have to do that you have to do (laughs) an
0: elimination diet as they call it to figure out what it is and yeah even then, it takes over two weeks without that food before yeah. it's from your system, before it's transferred. Yeah, and
1: it takes six weeks for dairy. Yeah. So I so was like, oh my God, six weeks without dairy and it mightn't even be that. Oh, and caffeine. And I was like, oh, I, I can't. Because at this point I was getting absolutely no sleep. Yeah, so he was a year old when we realised it was so
0: You've you That was a tough year. It was a very tough year.
1: And I was back at work at the stage. So... Yeah. Like, I look back at myself going back to work and I'm like, how in the name of God did I do it? I really don't know. Like, I was still feeding. He was still waking at... Like, I didn't go back to work until he was 10 months. um, But he was still feeding, like, three or four times a night. Um, I was up at 6am for work. Like, I don't work a very long day, I suppose. You know, I'm not like somebody in an office who's leaving home at seven and not getting back till seven. Like, I would be back at home at four o'clock, we'll say. But, get the early mornings. Oh my God, on oh, no sleep. I was getting four hours sleep maybe most nights. Um, but you know what? You get through it. And that's the biggest thing. You just have to just get on with it. And what I realised and I've written about this as well, is that when you get to work and you look around and you see your colleagues so completely differently when you get back after having a child and you literally look at people and you go, that's why they're always like that. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. Like, the zombie apocalypse is all around you. Like, they're, they're all just there trying to make it through the day because they've had no sleep for five years. And some people haven't. Yeah, so he finally got sorted at, at the age of one, and um, thank God he's he's been a much happier child since then. And he is a very
0: happy child. And there's a really good Facebook group called, I think it's called Surviving Reflux, yeah. and CPMI in Ireland. Yeah, yeah I was um, in it. It's amazing. It's and again, it's yeah. that camaraderie. Yeah. And people posting at all times of day and night with pictures and like really just asking for help because yeah. they're at their wits' end. Totally. And the support that rallies in and the yeah. knowledge of, that is shared. It's phenomenal. It's yeah, and so like that's how I found out about medication together. Yeah. yeah, if someone is, if is, wondering or thinking that maybe their baby has reflux or is CPMI, check out that Facebook group. Yeah, and even just start reading the posts and people describe yeah. or even put up videos of what their baby's doing, and yeah. you might go, Do you know what? That's what my child is doing. Totally. And then you're kind of a bit more prepared when you go to the GP, going, yeah, actually. My baby's doing X, Y, and Z and I think it's this.
1: Absolutely. And let
0: you know, and then go from there and see. But I did find that it was a really, really good group just to kind of tap into. And I read a lovely observation that you made about your mum. And you said when it was your birthday, your mum used to get soft eyes, and you never understood why until you had your own baby.
1: Yeah. Um I suppose it's Certainly with your first baby. I think it's different thereafter actually. Um sorry, subsequent children. Um it's the day it's it's not just their birthday, it's the day you become a mother as well. And it's such a life changing thing. And, you know, you really become a different person, like in so many ways. And again, like this is one of those things that before I had children, I'd be like, Oh for God's sake, like anyone can do it. Just, you know, it's a biological function. But You just become this completely other person and you are suddenly um, completely no longer an independent unit. Um, I found that really difficult with Dare I found it really, really hard. Um, But you just, you just are, you're a new person. And that's it. And you have to kind of sink or swim. And, you know, most people swim. I think some people sink.
0: And maybe there's not enough said about that. And since becoming a mum, you've said that you have loved your parents even more Mm. so. Because you can relate to them a bit more, can't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, It just makes everything
1: in your relationship with them it gives it clarity, I think. um, You understand so much more of their motivations about things, um, where they're coming from and why they do things and why they did things always the way they did. Looking back, like, so many elements of it I would just want to recreate for Friday, you know. Like, my happiest memories of being, like, up the woods or up the mountains with my parents or just hanging around at home. And my mum is a great believer in um, not doing too much with your children. Like, it's you they want, it's not necessarily activities, um, you know, or like say we're talking about crafting and painting or whatever. Yeah, those things are nice to do, but like every day does not have to have an outing. I'm thinking about my own childhood, I suppose, they they did such a great job, you know, they really did. And um, you see all of the sacrifices, I suppose, they made. And that's such a cliche, but, you know, things like having to have the dinner at the same time every day things like that are such an important marker for a kid and like we always had dinner pretty much between half five and six o'clock and we all sat down and it was just part of the day you know the, by the time you're a teenager you're like oh for god's sake why do I have to talk to you but that's crucial and those kind of routines are so crucial they do that for you like they they don't necessarily want to be sitting there watching you fight with your fish fingers for half an hour every evening. You know, and they don't want to have to live their lives in these segments of time which is what you have to do with a baby yeah, or a toddler especially Um, I read this article on Motherly I think about oh breastfeeding is living your life in three hour increments I thought actually it was a really annoying article because any baby you live your life in three hour increments yeah you know. do and that's going it's to be getting, the same with any baby
0: yeah it's you're kind of on the almost like a, a little hamster yeah, going round around. it's like you kind of get that like circle you're on to feed, next one change need, nap change yeah. feed,
1: nap and then with a the toddler it's like make sure you feed them do they need to go to the toilet oh my god alright tantrum definitely nap time they won't nap get into the car drive away for two hours somewhere you know so it does it changes but I think having all those certainties in your life that you know dinner always happens at this time unless there's something exceptional happening you're going visiting or whatever but like in the main Monday to Friday dinner is at this time
0: So what would you tell your pregnant self? Sleep Sleep more
1: go to all the Sleep deeply and sleep yeah try and sleep properly if you can Um yeah yeah the first pregnancy is so different to the second one like the first pregnancy I did have a great time when I look back at it like I went for loads of spa treatments because you call that the princess pregnancy the princess pregnancy somebody said that to me and I was like what do you mean and like on the second one you really really get to know what that is you don't get time to yourself and like I was off work sick for a lot of it so I did spend a lot of time lying down because I had to um, but like there was no spa treatments the crash crush fees ate up the spa budget um, and there's no treating yourself really once you have a toddler that it's gone for the time being um, so yeah I would say sleep and, and hang out with your friends
0: and what product could you not live without
1: God at the moment tissues <laughs> we have a, like a snot factory in our house everyone has a runny nose so I'm going to say tissues
0: <laughs> and what has been your magic moment
1: watching the two of them together watching the just the love they have for each other already is overwhelming um, and we have one of them about once a day
0: that's beautiful. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, someone shared actually on Instagram, I can't remember, and it was an old. I'm gonna say I probably this is probably incorrect now, but uh, it's an old Indian uh, kind of sign that if your baby grabs their foot, yeah. and puts it to their mouth, it's them calling a sibling. Oh. I was like, isn't that just the most gorgeous thing to think about? If you saw your baby doing that, that they're trying to like, yeah, like they're on the phone to a sibling. I was like, that's that's really cute. Dee, thank you for coming in and for sharing your story with me. I really enjoyed it. We've had a really good laugh. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. So thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mumkind. Kind. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you'd like to send me a message, please email forallmumkind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at For All Mum And see you on the next episode of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.